Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Back to America's Heroes Group. In this section, we have a roundtable with our partner, Veterans Legislative Voice. July is American Diabetes and National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Today is Saturday, July 9, 2022. You just heard our host, Cliff Kelly. I'm the co-host, Sean Claiborne. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And once again, do not forget, today we're not live streaming, but you can still see us on our archive shows on YouTube, Facebook, and americashd.org. Just go to americashd.org, and you can download or watch any of our past shows. You can also see a huge archive of shows on YouTube and also on our Facebook page. So we have a familiar voice once again, Ms. Stephanie Collada. She's a U.S. Army Reserve Sergeant First Class and the veteran and founder and creator of the Veterans Legislative Voice. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing okay. Uh, fighting a cold here, so if I sound weird, I apologize now. You sound fine to me. How was Fourth of July? It was pretty good. Uh, quiet down here in Florida, so but very, very hot. Yeah. So you didn't see any yeah. fireworks? You hear fireworks at all? The, the fireworks? Oh yeah, plenty all? of plenty of fireworks in my area. Uh, thankfully, there was no restrictions on that. Okay. Um, and I spent time to make ribs for everybody because they were buy one get one free in my area. So <laughs> it was a great time. Sounds like a plan to me. So tell us yeah. about Roe versus Wade. So it's overturned now. So the the federal the Supreme Court has said that they're not going to recognize or give protection to the right to abortion. So now states can, can pretty much do what they want to do at the state level. So how does this affect yes. uh, mil- the, uh, military veterans or the military in general? Well, right now for federal there, federal law, there is a law against doing pro- um, abortion. Basically, they can only do abortions when it is harm to the mother. It's um, uh, in the result of an act of a rape or incest. This is Florida. Um, those are the three. This is federal. DOD can only provide abortions for military women for these cases. Hmm. Um, And so we know that many people, service members, live across the U.S. in various states. And there are many base, there are many military bases in places like Texas who has a restriction on six weeks, yeah. and which is very frustrating because this is usually six weeks is probably the earliest you will find out to be pregnant. Often people still don't show pregnancy on the test until after six weeks, mm-hmm. so it's very frustrating with those type of things. Um, so we know that abortions can make or excuse me, pregnancies can make service members, um, they're non-deployable. They can't deploy. They can't go do missions. They can't go to the field. They can't go to certain trainings. And so there is a lag time. You're going to have a certain amount of your troops that are not going to be available. So now not having these abortions and really restrictions on and and possible restrictions on any other type, uh, could actually hurt the military ready force. 
So this is this is the thing I um, they want you to explain to the civilians. So because you have the UCMJ, which is Uniform Code of Military Justice, which is the legal the legal system of the U.S. military, but you have now mm-hmm. individual state laws. So what supersedes what in that particular case? So you mentioned the the DOD's uh, determination, but what is what happens on, at the state level? So if, does a person follow the strictest of the two, or how does that work? Actually, I haven't heard of a case if there for that. Um, Usually for those type of situations, it's dependent on the state. DOD will only cover abortions for those three categories, um, not if, you know, you had an oops and you have to go get a plan B or things like that. That won't be available to you um, at the military installation. Now, is it, is it, is it realistic to be able to use um, contraceptives or I guess you can't call them, they're not contraceptives, but abortion type uh, pills and things like that through the internet or through the mail? Yes, there are, to my knowledge, you can still use that. Um, so if anybody's under, uh, had heard President Biden have put in an executive order to put down uh, protections in place for things like that, for the abortion pill, for contraceptions, for um, protection on your health information, for privacy restrictions and violations, um, those type of things which to me is really hits home because for the civilians out there that don't know, your leaders know everything about your medical. They can find anything out because they need to know whether you can deploy or not or do the mission that, they, that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And so many times you feel your, pri- your privacy violated because they find out these things and they know these things. And so personal side, I, I deployed with a unit from uh, Boston, predominantly Catholic, and I had gone through an abortion prior to deploying, and they found out. And that was a really rough deployment. And it really does shake up a lot of things, and it can really hurt our service members more than help. Well, that's one of the things that has to be, has to be really tough about being a woman is that, I mean, for, I mean, for me, it never really did matter to me what people saw in my medical record and stuff like that, but as a soldier, yeah. you know, you get your you going. I remember going to. We had a uh, every year. You had to go through that. Um, it's like a, a, a mini maps or whatever, where you have to go through a, like deployment readiness. You know, so they have to go make sure your uh, files pure, up to date and all that stuff like that. PHA periodic health assessment. Yeah, and then you got to get the medical file and, and half the stuff in there is yep. not even probably accurate. <laughs> it's, it's like this yeah. is crap that's in a yeah. in a file. And so, but then you know, but then, I mean, to me, it never was an issue. But you know, yeah, if you if you are if you're especially serving overseas and you have something that happens, that is just something that your unit can see. And I would imagine a lot of the officers probably go through, um, particularly in, in, in elite units. I would imagine going through to make sure you know that you know maybe they want to know you know how healthy are my my troops? Did anybody get an injury? Did anybody get a break a leg? Or anybody you know get a DUI maybe or something like that over the weekend? I mean, those types of things. Yes. And it's so common for service members to not go to mental health because their leaders may find out. Just mm-hmm. imagine if it was they don't want their leaders to find out if they had an abortion or not. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that's 10 times worse. And it's scary and things like that. And a lot of one of the issues is because they uh, many leaders and many people jump to conclusions that um, are often negative of the person that makes the decision for that. And. We really, many people need to understand is the reason why Roe v. Wade had pretty much one for, run, won the right of abortion for all is because of privacy. It's not whether an abortion is right or wrong. 
It's about privacy on your own medical health and your choices that you should be taking. Um, I get so angry when so many people say the Constitution did not uh, include abortion. Well, duh, it was for white men, old men uh, that only had property. At the time, until up until 1840, only property owners, white old men, property owners, could actually vote. So, because that was a state right. And then they finally cleared that up and removed the property ownership restrictions. So, why do we have to do the same thing with the abortion? Mm. It's so frustrating. Yeah. But then you have the people that, um, like, and, and even like me, for example, I mean, I'm not necessarily in one camp or the other camp, but the, the, because I don't know the answer to this question. I ask this question all the time. I never yeah. have this conversation is when is a life a life? So, the, so the question a lot of people have is so when is a person become a person in the, in the womb of a, of a woman. So if, the, if a, a woman becomes pregnant, is, a, is that a baby at week 14? Is it at, is it at week you know, 20? Is it, at, is it three months, six months? I mean, when is that distinction made? Do we allow abortions up to the day before you have you get ready to give birth, or do we cut it off at seven weeks? You know, and that's not really clear, I think, in, in the decisions that came out of the Supreme Court. This kind of kicked it back to the states, let the states kind of figure out their own ideas, which I don't know if it really solves a lot uh, per se. But you know, that's No, it really question. didn't. And um, so Florida, um, they had, I think it was 20, originally they had uh, 20 weeks or 21 re- weeks restriction on abortion. Mm-hmm. And um, Governor Santos had um, put the, our legislature up to which is 15 and they were going to do 15 weeks, but they were going to put in exceptions for rape, incest and medical. Well, the the only thing that made it to the 15 week law was actually just the uh, medical, not for rape and incest. And because of that, they actually, um, one of the circuit judges had put a hold on that law here in Florida because of it. And there has been um, a few organizations that have sued the state for that. And one of them is actually the Jewish synagogues around here in Florida had actually um, appealed or actually sued the state for violating what they believe in their own due process and their own privacy. Because for their culture and their religion, um, life starts at birth. And they've always held to that. Um, So it's a really stark contrast to those that are um, fighting for pro-birth, especially since Governor Santos had signed the law in a a church that had been uh, pro-birth. And it was so very frustrating because there's zero uh, separation of church and state here. Hmm. So when you, when, when you, what do you see happening in the future? What do you see this, this – uh, do you see – what kind of cases and how soon do you predict that there will be a case to challenge what's happening right now where someone might once again bring up the issue of privacy or bring up a different issue or a different uh, nuanced way of looking at the uh, the abortion issue? Yes. There's a variety of things that could happen, and it could happen uh, – things could happen because um, they – could put in and increase the amount of judges in place. So uh, the Constitution originally had six justices for the Supreme Court. They increased it to nine because they had uh, added um, three more circuit courts. And so that talk has been coming up because now there's more than nine circuit courts. I can't remember how many off the top of my head. And so that's the reason why um, some people have been fighting for an increase in uh, Supreme Court judges. 
The other one is uh, another thing that's been coming up is the impeachment of the um, Supreme Court justices because they swore in that they would keep Roe v. Wade as a precedent. And so their decisions on the uh, recent Dodd um, case, it was very different from what they actually sworn in for in Congress. So there's been a big fight for impeaching those judges. Um, No, it's never been done before. Um, I think actually there was one person that was um, uh, impeached in the early 1800s, but that was because it was supreme. It was really bad corruption and uh, money laundering stuff. So that was the only case that they have impeached anyone other than the president. But you can you can um, you can actually impeach other people other than the president. This has got to be the probably the t- one of the toughest things. We have a lot of issues going on in this country, but this has probably got to be one of the toughest um, and most divisive uh, just, uh, things that have happened or going on, uh, controversies in our nation, I mean, in a lot, in a, in many generations. I mean, it's probably, like I said, since slavery probably. I mean, it's probably it's got to yeah. be. I mean, this, I mean this, is, this is something that is really, I mean, it's, there's, there's so many different questions, and, and, and do you think that there is not enough – uh, output or not enough information being fed into the to the argument from the science and medical community about because that to me seems where things be, begin and end you know, when you can make a definitive yes. decision as to when life begins. Yes, I I completely agree with that. Um, there is a lot of information that uh, people on the uh, pro birth side, the pro um, life side, that they don't understand the variety of instances that you're going to need. Um, an abortion for your cases. Um, President Biden has spoken about a 10-year-old in Ohio had to go to Indiana to get an abortion because she was pregnant, and she was pregnant at six weeks and three days. Wow. Yeah, a 10-year-old. So trying to force somebody at that age to have have a child is just more traumatic than anything, and it's very frustrating when those type of things happen. Um, another thing that, you know, is really stressful that could happen for military uh, service members and their families is many um, of the service members, E4 and below, they have children. They're most likely on food stamps. They have low uh, pay. And so that still hasn't been increased. Most of those people are on food stamps and uh, trying to live on base or they would be on Section 8 or HUD. So it's really frustrating because those are the people that they don't they don't need another child into that type of financial situation that they find themselves in. So having that other roadblock could actually set up our, our own service members up for failure, especially if they get out of the military and they have all these children and then they are veterans. And then it's even harder to find jobs when you're a veteran. It's uh, it's really a scary system that is being set up. <clears throat> it's hard to find jobs when you have kids a lot of times and you have kids to take care of at home. Child care is expensive. It is very expensive. Yes. And um, the health care for them is also very ex- uh, expensive. Um, inflation is going crazy. The housing is going nuts. It's been, it's been a very scary situation for many people to have families um, and try to support them and have in Doing this one thing could actually cause so many other consequences that is so unforeseen. And it frustrates me because a lot of people that are pro-life, they don't understand that birth control pills can fail. 
condoms can fail. Um, any other contraception can fail. Um, a lot of times when they do give out antibiotics, often the doctors don't check what their um, what their other prescriptions are, especially for birth control, because they need to be counseled to say, hey, you might, as, you might use a condom next time because antibiotics can decrease the amount or decrease the effectiveness of the birth control pill. That is how my sister got her, got my niece, and which was a great situation. They were they were um, actually set up just right for it, so they so it's really been a great thing. But for other people that were not in a good situation and poor, having issues in their lives, that is going to be a really scary situation for them. But I think I think a lot of pro-life people do think that do kind of understand those the, the negative things do happen. But they have so if they, if things like that did happen in their situation, they would just have the child, even if they were prepared for it or not. Because once because they believe that um, that because the, they have a different timeline as to when a person becomes a person. So if that timeline is six weeks or seven weeks or six thirteen weeks, whatever it might be to them, and you're killing a child if you have an abortion. So that's that's the that's the the, the brick wall that I think. Um, the the uh, people that are pro-choice ran up into. They didn't realize they they, they held on to the to the privacy flag, but then they ran to that brick wall of you know when is a child's life a child's life? When is a right yep. of the child become the right of um, the supersede the right of the parent? Um, I mean, there's a lot of common sense stuff to me. I mean, if a person is 10 years old and gets pregnant, I mean, do you want to do you want to risk the, the life of the 10 year old? In the mental state, not just the physical, I mean, the mental state of that 10-year-old as well. Because a lot of people don't realize, yes, um, that we should protect your privacy to have an abortion, but we also protect your privacy of whether you were pregnant or not. Because Mm -hmm. just for somebody getting pregnant out of marriage is still a taboo for many um, areas in this country. And it's also taboo taboo for many different situations. Mm -hmm. So it's that, that situation, especially if you're a teenager pregnant, that's your own privacy of having to deal with a pregnancy, but everybody's going to find out mm-hmm. of what happened. And then even, so that's the other part to it. Just because then you have, like, you talk talking to parents. I had this conversation with a, with a father not too long ago, um, Army veteran. He was telling me that, you know, he would be concerned if his daughter, you know, got pregnant, but he'd be more concerned if he didn't know about it. If his daughter was going out and having, I mean, you can't, if she can't get her, her teeth pulled, I mean, why does she, why would he want her to go get an abortion without him knowing about it? Uh, that I can agree with. It, to me, it's um, for other people outside of the family okay. nucleus. That, that's what I was talking about. Sorry uh, about okay, that. No problem. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but yeah, but privacy, <laughs> privacy is is, a, is definitely um, important and definitely an issue. I mean, um, but then once again, it's just like a, it's one of those biological things in our in this part of human nature where our society has gotten to a point where. We're running into our technology in some ways because, I mean, if we were if this if this, if this was two hundred three hundred years ago, it'd be a whole different story. I mean, I mean, abortions weren't like simple things you just go and get done real quick and one two three and it's done and over with. That was something really hard well, and hard to do. Actually, um, so abortions weren't uh, widely illegal until the eighteen eighties, uh, mm-hmm. and I've been doing some research on this today for writing for something else. And actually, um, so the founding fathers, you know, did not have abortion or any of those type of rights for women on the top of their minds when they're trying to create this country. Of course, it's not going to be on the Constitution. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that some of them actually did. Benjamin Franklin had written a recipe 
for uh, medication to actually induce a woman for an abortion in 1741, I believe. Wow. Um, yes, <laughs> published it, and there was zero scandal about it. Uh, I mean, it because he was he, he was just becoming a big name at that time, and mm-hmm. so a lot of people took it to heart because he's written a lot of books by then. Um, and there was no big thing became, about it. I think it was 1850, I think, is when it actually became like an issue. Like it was something that there was actually any kind of legislation that was actually pushed, uh, written about it. I think it was 1850. It might have been 1880. But that was, but. Um, yeah, well, 1847, there was um, a bit, um, medical association built, and they had um, started a campaign on criminalizing abortion. Mm-hmm. And the frustrating part is that. Uh, association did not have anybody that was specialized in um, birth and pregnancies like midwives and and nurses like that that have the experience of giving birth or going through the different stages of pregnancy. So that's another frustration I have is because the misunderstanding of the science that goes there. Right, exactly. And that's, so, that's a big, that's a big, big problem. I mean, it's, I mean, hopefully, I'm hoping the technology, um, maybe that, maybe the, if there is a, is a silver lining out of this, maybe we can use our technology to make contraceptives more effective and make a control so women have more control of their body so they don't get pregnant in the first place. Maybe we can shift right. well, in that direction. Yeah, well, they have tried to do contraceptives for men, but then they um, abandoned the study because they started having side effects. Well, come to find out, they had the same side effects that the women had at the same amount, Mm -hmm. but they continued on with the women's studies and not the men. And that's what I call medical gaslighting for women because that does happen a lot too. You know, it's going to be really hard to get a man to take contraceptives. I mean, if they're, I mean, if, 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 as simple as it would be for a man to take a pill, I mean, I'm just, yeah. I'm just being honest. Men could be irresponsible. We could be irresponsible. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we have two brains sometimes. So, I mean, the, so the thing of it is, is that it's going to be really hard. A woman has to, is the one carrying the burden. So they're the ones that are going to be more concerned about it. And it's a huge responsibility. And there's a reason why women are also more likely to have anxiety and depression and things like that mm-hmm. because of that pressure that they get. And it's so scary. Um, most people don't know that the Plan B pill actually can uh, not be effective at times, and you could still have a child after that. So um, oftentimes when people do take the Plan B pill, they think they're good. And then, you know, a couple more weeks come along, and they could actually hit the um, the abortion restriction ban uh, time limit on that. So that's another added thing that just frustrates everybody because on the medical side, you just don't know what a plan B pill can cause for a baby that would still actually survive that. Mm. So there's a lot of different complications there that can be really scary for others. Wow. So mm-hmm. do you think any of the things that, um, that you talked about as far as what might be the next change? And cause you know, this is going to be a, a ping pong battle. It's going to go from, I already know that oh, yeah. eventually it's going to go back to the other side at some point and go back to probably more of a pro-life stance, back to a pro-choice stance. Once again, hopefully technology steps up. How, li- how soon do you, do you expect or how likely that some of the things you talked about, either the impeachment or another case coming up down the pipeline that will change the, 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 the flow of the argument? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm hoping for and that I haven't mentioned, and it's the, it's the codification of abortion in the federal law. So um, what I'm talking about with codifying and fancy words like that is basically – putting it in the United States code 
that abortion is legal with these exceptions. Mm -hmm. And then the states cannot, you know, take away from those from that law. They can add to, but they can't take away. So there's a lot of different things that um, I would I really hope for it to come. And um, that would really only happen if the power between um, in Congress and the House and the Senate flips to blue on both sides. To me, that's the only way it's going to happen. Um, the scarier part is that if there's not enough senators, uh, Democratic senators that have been voted in, um, they might have issues with a filibuster. So um, if you have, you need a two, two uh, excuse me, you need 60 votes to avoid a filibuster. Anything lower than that, a senator can actually speak on the floor really until the bill dies or somebody gives up. Mm. And those type of things can happen. It doesn't happen very often, but that is the scary part about that filibuster. And just real quick, because we've got about three minutes left, actually about a couple of minutes yeah. left. What do you see coming up in the upcoming elections? Do you see, where do you see, who's, you, who do you think is going to come out on the top? Um, first in the federal election for the presidency in the next upcoming election, and also how do you see the, the House going and the, or Congress well, going in general? Well, I'm happy for a few things that's already happened in the midterms for the primaries. Uh, Madison Cawthorn from Kentucky had been voted out of his primary, and which I'm very grateful for because he was never really um, very supportive of veterans and military. He commonly uh, voted against. Um, there has been a big blue wave that's been happening um, with the Roe v. Wade um, pretty much debacle that's been happening in the ever since really since the leak of the documents. So I'm foreseeing for it to go at least probably tie to tie for a lot of uh, states. Um, right now, there's a lot of Democrats that are fighting or um, that are getting close to the Republicans on their incumbent seat. So I'm I'm seeing a battle. There's going to be a big midterm battle, and I'm encouraging everybody to go out there and vote. Vote for the elected official that you know is going to support what you need in your life. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.